Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 69 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a barnstorming show lined up for you today. In a short while I'll be sharing with you our combined interview and discussion section this week. They're going to be in together with my guest Freddie Jackwin. He'll be talking about his approach and focusing upon the arrow technique that Freddie and Freddie's son Anthony are currently showcasing and teaching all over the place. Uh, Then we'll have this week's hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. Uh, I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis gets portrayed in the media and comment on some of the content of those stories. We'll round things off by diving straight into the hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy the podcast, please do go and give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. You know, for a rating, all it is is you have to go in there and click one button. Click on the stars. I'll be a BFF if you do. Additionally, um... Any listener to the Hypnosis Weekly podcast can get a 20% discount on all of my advanced online hypnosis trainings, including all of our courses. Simply visit my college website, aecollegeofhypnosis.uk. Use the code PODCAST20. It'll happen. First of all today, then, is this week's interview and discussion all rolled into one Um, with my guest, Freddie Jackwin, the, the inimitable titan that is Freddie Jackwin. Uh, when I first met Freddie, um, I was speaking at the Change Phenomena Hypnosis Conference uh, of a number of years ago. It was the first one that I was speaking at. Um, and um, um, that the, the Freddie's son, Anthony, used to run. And so he was present there. And I'd got to know Ant really well over the years. It felt really natural, therefore, to really warm to Freddie. I, I'd heard a lot about him. And, uh, and, and, and he actually, you know, really delivered on, on, on the build-up uh, that people had been telling me all about him. Over the years, Freddie has been to speak at the, the peer support group that I run here on the south coast of England, where he sang to us, where he did incredible demonstrations, where he made me belly laugh. Since then, every single time I've spent any time with Freddie whatsoever, the time stands out as having been so much fun. I, I regularly belly laugh. I make reference to that within our discussion, as you'll hear. 
I mentioned as well there that Freddie demonstrates, you know, he conducts fabulous demonstrations and really walks his talk. He, he boldly and fearlessly demonstrates his techniques and everyone I've ever seen, um, um, every one of those demonstrations that I've ever seen has resulted in some sort of incredible success that people share and, and refer to. It's wonderful. It's often breathtaking to see. And it's taken me far, far too long to get him here on the show, but I'm absolutely delighted that he is. For now then, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview with Freddie Jackwin. <music> So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome the titan, the one and only Mr. Freddie Jackwin. Freddie, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Well, thanks for um, asking me to speak to the people that listen to you. Yeah, thanks a lot. So let's let's learn a little bit about a little bit about you. For those that, that have never never that, that, that aren't aware of you, for example, tell us a little bit about your background. So so how did how did you get into this field? What's your background, and and how have you arrived at, at where you are now? I got into hypnosis purely out of curiosity. I've always been interested in how good we could be, sort of physically, if you like. Mm. I have four sons. Uh, you know, Anthony. Um, yeah. He's got an older brother. Um, when I were kids, I remember saying to them once, you know, that physically um, we're limited. You know, two people working together can achieve great things, but physically we're limited. But I don't believe we are mentally. And I've, through that, I've got interested in just curiosity how hypnosis worked. So years ago, I saw um, a sort of training um, program advertised. It was in your area, actually. It was called the AIHA. Oh, International yeah. Association of Hypnoanalysts. Yeah. And I'd just come back from the States where I've been living for a little while and I was sort of floating about. So I thought, well, I'll go and do it cause just out of curiosity. And to be honest with you, and I'm not knocking uh, their method of working with people, but I, it's, it's not how I want to work. But it got me into it. And yeah. when I came back from that course, people said, oh, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I had no intention of being a hypnotherapist. I just wanted to know how hypnosis worked. And then I found that, I loved doing that. When someone someone's life changed through something I'd said, um, it's a, as you know, it's a marvelous feeling. So, yeah. um, I was do, I had my own sales company at the time, and I thought, you know, I love doing hypnosis. Why would I want to go and do what I'm doing forever when I could do hypnosis and help people? So I just started, and because I had my sales company at the time, it was very easy for me. I didn't have to do it full time. And I advertised, to be honest, I advertised smoking at £39, which shows you how many years ago it was. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and because I because I had my own business, you know, I didn't need, I wasn't reliant on hypnotherapy money, I, uh, I, I guaranteed it. And so it was a pretty brilliant ad, to be honest with you. Yeah, hypnosis, yeah. want to quit? You don't quit, I won't charge you. And to this day, it still stands as a pretty good advert. Anyway, with that, I had hundreds and hundreds of people coming to see me and my attitude towards it was if I can hypnotize one person I must be hypnotized two if I could hypnotize two I must be hypnotized 20 and I ended up doing groups for smoking 200 people at a time around the country wow. in 2006 I actually saw just under 5,000 people for smoking wow so that's how I got into it but obviously, as soon as I came back from that course, which is all about hypnoanalysis, really looking at it in the way that Freud looks at it. Yeah. And the guy who trained me um, 
the course was advertised as successful hypnotherapy, but the emphasis was on the successful. And by that, I mean how much money you can earn from it. Right. And I, I'm not going to say the man's name. I'm sure there's probably people still working with that sort of, uh, those sort of techniques. But it, this is what he actually said. This is no lie. He said, you keep your clients in for 12 weeks. And it's very easy to do that because at the end of your first session, you say, in a moment, I'm going to count to five. On four, your eyes will open. On five, you'll be wide awake. Looking forward to our next meeting where you can tell me how you've improved. Mm. Now, we're this. That's a suggestion in trance. Mm. Of course, for the next week, the person was looking forward to seeing him. I, I realized as soon as I came out of that course that by, I started to read about Ericsson, his methods. I realized I could move people very quickly from where they are to where they want to be. And I could do that in, in a lot of sessions, especially with things like smoking in one session. So I felt ethically, if I can help someone out of a phobia, it has to be done as quickly as possible, as well as possible, as quickly as possible. I don't want someone having that phobia for 12 weeks. I don't want someone smoking for 12 weeks. I don't know whether in that 12 weeks, they're going to smoke that cigarette that's going to kill them. So I feel it's my, my duty to do good work, but do it in the shortest possible time. Yeah. You know, it's not about it's not a good business model. I, I, you know, if you speak to Andy, he'll, he'll tell you the same thing. It's not a biz, good mis, business model. I see people generally once, and I've seen over thirty thousand clients. And to generate thirty thousand clients into your business is expensive. Yeah. You know, but for me, I love what I do, and I love the feedback we get. So yeah, that's how I got into it, just out of curiosity. Yeah. But still to this day, and that was over like twenty-five years ago. I still, to this day, never get up in the morning and think, I've got to go to work. No. I absolutely love what I do. And some years ago, I was speaking to my nephew, and we were at a party, and I was telling him about what I do and how much I enjoy it. And he said something. He was only, he was only a kid, maybe 16 years old. And he said, but you wouldn't do it if you won the lottery, would you? And I hadn't thought about it until then. Yeah. You know, I absolutely would. I can't ever see a day when I wouldn't want to do this. And as I say to my clients, as long as I can speak, if they can wheel me in a room, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And that's a bit, really. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think when people meet you, that they, they, they get that. Um, um, a, a, absolutely. That they, they get that, you know, um, um, and, and, and that that's there. And I also think, you know, it would not be possible to see 30,000 people if you were not good. You know, if you weren't getting results... Uh, you know, I think a lot of those people may not be inclined to to, to keep coming back because I think well, my, you know yeah, no my, amount of marketing can just can just can just yeah. feed people into something that's ineffective. Yeah, most of my work's referral, yeah. and you know that doesn't happen unless people are getting results. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and you know it, it's just a fantastic tool. That's how I look at what we call hypnosis. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's just a tool for change, but it's a marvelous tool for change. And I think. Everyone should learn how to do it. I think, I know it sounds strange, I think you should be taught in schools. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would love that. I would love that. I think, I think everyone should understand how this works. It's just, you know, you probably get to the question, what do I think it is, what, what hypnosis is. But it is, yeah. for me, it's just a, a level of communication that enables you to um, help that person get out of their own way. Yeah. You know, when I train people, and we train people on our diploma course over five days, which people say, how can you do that? You know, how can you expect people to go out after five days and be effective 
as a hypnotherapist. And the reason I believe we can be, effect- be effective and they can be effective is because we start with the understanding that the client has the understanding, the resources, the knowledge to overcome their problem. And all we have to do, put it in a very, put it in a nutshell, is get them out of their own way. Mm. You know, those limiting beliefs they have about, I can't quit smoking, I can't give this drug up, I can't lose weight. You know, that's a belief. And it's very easily cracked. If someone sees me for cocaine or for cannabis or for cigarettes, and they say to me, I've tried everything, the patches, the gums, everything, and I can't quit. And I sneak up on them, if you like, and I say, you know, if a smoker goes to the doctors and the doctor says to them, if you have another cigarette, you die, the chance of that quitting, that person quitting is minimal. And people, when I ask people that, they nod their head. They know because they've been to the doctor. They have been told that. Mm. But I sneak up on them and I ask the question again. I say, but if you've been to your doctor yesterday and he said, have another cigarette and your child would die, or your wife would die. Mm. I said, you'd quit, would you not? And every single person says, yes, I'd quit. I say, have you got any doubt? They go, no. Now, in that moment, you've cracked that belief that they can't do it. They can still go out and smoke, but the belief that they can't quit is now being undermined. Mm. So really, I see part of my job is just undermining those limiting beliefs. Yeah. I can't do this and I can't do that. I can't lose weight. Of course, people can lose weight. My question for people who want to lose weight is this. How badly do you want to look or feel that good? Because yeah, right, I, yeah. I, I say, because there are some things I cannot change. Otherwise, I'd be taller, I'd have a lot more hair. <laughs> <laughs> and they laugh, and I say, you will lose the weight. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's sometimes it's just putting, you know, it's plain speaking. It's things that are obvious. And I know that if I can create an emotion in someone, I can influence them. And so part of what I do, in fact, it's, the, it's my main goal with everyone that comes to see me, for whatever reason they come to see me, to be honest with you, is to get them to understand their worth and their value as a person, as a friend, as a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife. You know, because if people don't understand that, they're not going to look after themselves. But so one of my roles, if you like, or my purposes when I'm sitting with a client is at some point to get them to understand that. Yeah. You know, what they mean to their child. Yeah. What they mean to their partner, especially if they're doing things that are detrimental, whether it's drinking too much, smoking or, you know, taking drugs or eating too much for that matter. You know, and if you if they can understand that. So, as I said, when we when I train people to be hypnotherapists, we start with that core belief that the only person in that therapy room has the answers to their problems and the resources and understandings to change them is the person in the other chair. And all I have to do is get their limiting part of their being out of the way for a while so they can they get access to their inner abilities and strengths. That's yeah. how I see yeah. my job, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, 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 for me, it's much simpler than we can make it out to be. That's, that's my feelings on it. It's, it's no different to me having a conversation with my child and trying to explain what would be best for them, explaining how they could possibly do that, and then suggesting if they try something, it might just happen for them. We're doing this work all the time. We officially call it, we do a ceremony, which is induction into hypnosis, and um, you know we call it therapy. But in reality, it's just communication. 
maybe at a different level, but it's still communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you, you answered Annette's question with regards to how you're explaining hypnosis and, and, and where you're at with regards to it. Um, um, and it makes a huge amount of sense to me. So, so tell me, how has that, be, that been influenced? You know, who are, I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of uh, your influences. Um, 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 tell us about who, who are your major influences in this field? Are there, are there some books and authors that have taught you more than others? Have there been some teachers that have been more influential upon you? And perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about that well I, obviously you know I, I speak to yourself I speak to to Gary Turner I work with Anthony and we travel all over the world we spend hours and hours on planes on trains in hotel rooms um, and we discuss things in fact at the moment we're discussing a way of working with these new techniques that we're developing the arrow being one of them mm -hmm. um, how we can work with them because without hypnosis if you like because especially with the arrow which we're going to talk about i believe everyone should know how to use the arrow mm. whether mm. you're a parent you're, whether you're a teacher whether you're a anyone that, that cares for someone else anyone that's ever going to be in a situation where they're going to be looking after someone in chronic pain yeah. because yeah. you don't have to be a hypnotist to use this technique you know i i'll, I'll give you an example when my son, my son uh, Kian was nine, he's 14 now, he was at primary school and he, no, he's in the infants, I suppose, at nine years old, not even primary. A friend in his class, a girl in his class broke her arm and she had it plastered. And so was, she was in plaster, but they were given her painkillers, but she was a child, so they can only give her so many painkillers. She was in pain. He didn't know that you shouldn't, that you know, that, that the arrow was a technique that, hypnotist is yeah. so he ran this girl through the arrow and the pain disappeared and he came home and he spoke about it while he's eating his sausage and mash as if it was <laughs> as if he scored a goal at school it was no different to that to him because he didn't know any different it's a simple technique and if it's if it's done with with uh, meaning if you like and with a desire for that person to be to feel better the chance are they going to feel better and as that girl did and I'll say he was nine years old. You don't have to be a hypnotist to use some of these techniques. Um, they're, they're simple. They're, and as I said, Anthony and I are looking at a way of working because we work. We just come back from Rome where we've been running a training course out there. Yeah. You cannot use the word therapy unless you're a medical professional. We worked, we've worked in the States. You cannot use hypnosis unless you're a medical professional. We've worked in Kuala Lumpur, which is exactly the same thing. Now, all these techniques, which you know, because you're training people, for want of a better word, lay people, to do this work and do it brilliantly. They're not, they're, they're not all doctors, they're not all scientists, yeah. but they're going out and doing great work with this, with what you're teaching them. And yet they're limited in these, in a lot of countries around the world, because you cannot use that word. And I think it is a bit of a limitation, you know, but with these new techniques that Anthony and I are developing, which we should be, be able to you know, sort of put out there this new idea, if you like, maybe the autumn of this year when we we round it up to what we want to actually say and what we want to do. You're going to use these techniques without the word hypnosis, without the word therapy, mm. because they, mm. it's just a different line of communication. So that's, you know, that's not where we're heading because, you know, I am a hypnotist and I, you know, and I, I use hypnosis and I believe there is um there is a difference between what we call a walking wake, wake, awake state and, and a hypnotized state. Yeah. 
Yeah. You've seen it and I've seen it. People can do extraordinary things when they're hypnotized. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're not we're not denying that or not using it. But some of the techniques, if you take out the word hypnosis, yeah, can can still be used. So yeah. we're looking at maybe working some of these new techniques, which we're, we're we're teaching, which we're developing under a different banner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I, I like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I I love that notion, and I think um, um, you know, sadly, hypnosis also does come with with a lot of baggage, and um, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense sometimes mm. to to perhaps move a little bit of that. Um, mm. um. So so, what have been you know you you've worked with an incredibly large number of people over the years. Yeah. Um, um, and you know, during that time when you've been working with people, has there What's been some of the more impressive applications of hypnosis that, that, that you've done, that you've been involved in, that you, you know, you've seen, you've directly witnessed at your own hands and so on? Well, to each individual, when you change, when you change something, even if it's um, a 20 a day smoking habit, and I've seen people who have smoked 80 a day that have quit within that hour and a half. For that person, that is miraculous. For their family, that is miraculous. Is. When you take someone out of chronic pain, you know, for that person who's been in pain for 14, 15 years and no pain relief helps them and, and it's gone completely within that 15-minute intervention, it's miraculous. Mm. So although I can look and I can say I love taking people out of pain, but then, you know, when I, when I get feedback from people, I, I, some years ago I had an allotment when I was in Kent. Mm. I needed a water tank. And there was one advertised on this thing called Free Cell, which is like a, you know, free cycle, I think it's called. Yeah. So I went over to this guy in a village about 10 miles from me. And he said, yeah, it's round the back. And as we went out the door, he said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, sorry, I don't. He said, you see a lot of people. And I didn't remember him. And he said, I came to see you with my wife seven years ago. He said to quit smoking. He said, between us, we were smoking 50 cigarettes a day. He said, how many do you think we've had since? I said, none. He said, Absolutely. He said, we've saved £35,000 since we've seen you. And now we've got two children who are six and three. Brilliant. You know, and so that kind of feedback for him, that is still miraculous. You'll still be talking about that. Yeah. But then for the person who's never been able to take their family on holiday because they can't fly in a plane because they've, they've got fear. So that person, when you take that person out of that fear, that's miraculous. So, it's, you know, obviously when we think about physical well-being, pain or you know, interventions where someone's destroying themselves with alcohol or smoking or drugs and you help that person, then obviously, you know, you think it's, it may be more important or a bigger thing to change. But to be honest with you, some of the smallest things make the biggest difference. I saw a guy for heroin addiction. And I know people say, you know, well, how long can you do that? And how long does it last? I saw this man once, he was 28. And he came to see me. We had one session together. And I I'm, I'm, swear to God, this is absolutely true. His mother rang me six months later. And she actually spoke to one of the girls who takes my calls because I was with a client. And she asked this girl to tell me that since he'd been to see me, he hadn't had any more heroin. She said her changed, his life's changed, the family's life's changed. I have to tell you, Adam, if, I never, if that guy never has any more heroin, which I know he hasn't, and I never do another thing. I can go to bed every night, put my head on my pillow and go fast asleep. Yes. You know, and I've seen 30,000 clients. And I know a lot of them been smokers. I don't care. My sister-in-law said to me, they get fed up. And especially when I first started doing this work, I was booked 
six weeks in advance, six people every day. You know, that was when I was seeing individual people. Then I got to the big groups. But she said, don't you get fed up with saying, saying the same thing over and over again? I said, I never get fed up. You know, my sessions are an hour and a half. And in that first 30 minutes, I get to know that person, find out a bit about them. We have a bit of banter. You know, every everyone's got a story. And I love it. I love meeting people. I love speaking to people. I love finding out about people. And if I have to do the same thing every single day, and to get that person off, to get that next person off that cigarette habit, I will do it. I said, I said it's like being a brain surgeon. You're thinking, I've done this so many times. I think I'll just dig this bit of brain out, see what happens. <laughs> you know, it's you just have to do what you know to be the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. as you know, you know, with, with is for years now, it's been this thing about rapid inductions. How quick can I put someone in trance? You know, Anthony and I use the same induction, which we call the Jacqueline Powerlift, in every first session. Mm. every first session as you know because you witnessed it yeah. I, yeah. I can look at someone 10 yards away and put them in a trance without saying a word mm. i know how to do all this stuff but you know for me it's when, the, when i've got a person in a therapy room then all that matters to me is that person and when i train people and i think it's important for, and i think it's something that a lot of training schools miss i say you know when you step up to work with that person, hold that core belief. And just th you should be thinking it anyway. I care about you, and I want you to be well. Yeah. Now I I feel that that transfers to that person. You know, and, and that's why when people I've had people who have gone see me for smoking, they've quit for six months, they start smoking again, they phone me up, and they apologise to me. You know, they paid me. I've taken money off them. And they apologise to me for, for going back to smoking. Now, unless they must, unless they felt that I really want this for them, unless they felt that I really cared about them, they wouldn't think that. I'm sure. Mm. You know, they'd be moaning at me and saying, "Well, you know, I haven't quit." But no, they say I apologise. I started smoking again. I didn't want a cigarette. I thought I'd just have one. So, you know, it's how we proceed with this. I think we've just got to be human in that room. You know, we don't we don't train to converse with people in general life and yet we can we communicate we converse we influence you know we suggest things to people and they pick up on that suggestion if they know that you care about them yeah. and you want the best for them i i often liken hypnosis to let's imagine that you've got a friend and he knows that you've got you've had an experience a certain experience in life and you've overcome it or you've got through it and you sit down with that friend and he tells you his problem and you listen, and after listening to him, you say, well, I think if you did this, this, and this, I think that would help, and I think you'd get through it. Because he knows you care about him, because, because he knows you've had an insight into that problem, then the chance are he's going to take your suggestions and do it. Yeah. And that's how I see the communication in the therapy room with hypnosis. Mm, mm. Yeah. I think, you know, for, for anybody listening, there, there, there is an incredibly important lesson in some of the things that you've just said there. Um, and, and I hope people go back and listen to it. And that is, you know, I, I think there is there is a bit of an obsession sometimes with people wanting to learn techniques that they can do on people to, 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 to make them like them, you know, with with rapport and things like that. And yeah. I think 
when you have the right intention and you have that, you know, what Carl Rogers would refer to as that unconditional mm. positive regard that you've just been talking about there, you know, mm. and, and about meaning well and wanting the best for that person, you know, wanting to serve them, giving them, you know, a loving environment to be in, that that that, that feeds your body it's language, major. that feeds, you know, the relationship and so on. Yeah. And I think, you know, that it was so lovely and refreshing to hear you say that. You know, um, trust yourself. That's what I, th I think. Trust, trust that you're a good enough person. Trust that you that, that, that you want the best for them and be yourself. I think that's the problem. In a lot of these schools, are, some schools of therapy. I remember I worked with a guy once who'd been trained in the London clinical hypnosis, whatever it was. <laughs> and he said um, he would talk to me, talk, he would be speaking to you like I'm speaking to you now. And the moment he started to hypnotize someone, he went like this. And now. With your eyes closed, <laughs> yeah, begin to relax. I thought, why are you speaking like that? Yeah, oh, a hush you, FM DJ. <laughs> it's no point. I, you know, you've, you've seen me work. I sometimes shout at people. <laughs> I mean, it's mad. Yeah, I had a guy who came to see me once, and it was when I was working in my house in Kent. It was a terraced house, so there was no front garden. There was uh, stairs that went down to the, the basement of the house. Then there was the pavement, and they were laying tarmac on the pavement. And I saw this guy, I forget what it was for now, but I quite literally had to shout. I and mean, we was only sitting two chairs away. <laughs> you can relax. <laughs> you go deeper. <laughs> His wife had come with him. She was sitting in my front room, which was in the next room. And uh, when we came out, she said, she said, could you work? How, how could you work with all that noise outside? And I swear, this guy said, what noise? <laughs> yeah. it was oblivious to it yeah you know yeah. i think we can get caught up on yeah you know, it, i think the hypnotist very often gets more bothered by by, by the tiniest of sounds than, than the individual they're hypnotizing well if you believe that person's asleep then you might get bothered when there's a noise around but if you yeah. understand they're not asleep yeah exactly uh, then then you, you're not worried about it and you can use it as you know you can utilize everything that's going on yeah, you know, yeah. Sounds outside are going to drive you even deeper into that thing. Let that remind you. I when I see do these these um, mass smoking groups, obviously because there's 200 people in that room and they're all smokers, they're going to be some coughing, which <laughs> yeah. we are. You know, it's, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. If I was to worry about that, but what I do is this: if I hear someone coughing, well, everyone's in trance, and I say, let the sound of that coughing remind you why you're here. So all yeah. of a sudden it turns into something else. When I yeah. see people snoring, I see I, I see people as a couple for snoring. And one person I try and I, I help the snorer, but I also emphasize the partner so that the sound of snoring will drive them deeper into a sleep. Yeah. The sound of having your partner next to you, let that remind you that you know you're with your person you love. Let that sound drive you even deeper. If you start to utilize everything you've got, then you can be effective. Yeah, love that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Freddie, th throughout the years, you know, you, you've had a really impressive career. If, if you could go back to, to when you started out, when you were exploring this field, um, um, knowing the stuff that you know now, that you've, that you've, you know, the ways in which you've developed over the years, is there anything that you would do differently? Um, um, and is there any advice that the person you are today would give that younger you um, um, that, you'd, that you'd be happy to share with, with our listeners? I think the most important thing when when you're starting out is the confidence that you need. And, mm. you know, and we have our doubts about how effective we're going to be. 
But what I say to my students now, and I say it to all of them, is, and it's probably harder to master than the hypnotic techniques itself. And it's this, and it's, that's, it's an Ericsson quote. It's not my quote. I wish it was. But he was working with someone who was in serious pain. Um, I think they had cancer of the face. And they, the people had been working and had done everything. And after he helped this man, he was asked the question, did you know you were going to be effective? And he said this. He said, I had my doubts. But what I had no doubt about was I could keep my doubts to myself. Mm. And I think that's the most important mm. lesson we can learn when we first start out in hypnosis. You know, because you wonder, we make we make assumptions. You know, is this person bright enough? Can I, you know, can I communicate properly with them? Are they going to understand what I'm saying? Am I a good enough hypnotist? Am I using the right technique? Am I using the right metaphor? All those things that we worry about when we first start out as hypnotherapists. Can you hear my cat in the background? I'm just going to shut that door two seconds. <laughs> So, yeah, so, you know, so I, I would say to everybody, that's something you need to master, you know, as in the same way as you master um, a certain induction. Master that, th that, that understanding. You are going to have your doubts. What you must have no doubt about is you can keep your doubts to yourself. What I do, and I, I again, when I, I train people, I say to them, do this. When you step up to hypnotize someone, whether it's in a therapy situation, whether you're out, in a, out and someone says, can you hypnotize me? Just, again, hold this thought. I'm a great hypnotist. You're a great subject. Just run it like a loop in your mind. Mm. I'm a great hypnotist. You're a great subject, and you're going to be hypnotized. Mm. And then it transfers. If you, if you, for a moment, doubt whether you're going to hypnotize a person, I believe they're not going to be hypnotized. Yes. But if you step up, if someone says you can hypnotize me, and you say yes, and I say that in the same way as I say tomorrow the sun's going to come up. You know, there's no hesitation. There's no doubt. And it's the same when we're working with people. You'll, you know, we, we see such a broad range of people that need our help. And sometimes you might have your doubts whether you're going to be able to help that person. But what you must have no doubt about is you can keep your doubts to yourself. Yeah, I love that. Um, um, you know what, I've, I've seen you do some work. and I've seen you um, in, in what I would consider to be a, some fairly challenging situations where you've really put yourself to the test you know, and held yourself accountable with what you do in front of big groups of people and engaged in things. And one of the things that has always stood out to me has been that level of conviction and confidence that you have within yourself. And I think there's something very, very valuable to, to learn there from, from, from that and the way in which you do that. One of my favourite quotes, and it's not, again, it's a, it's a Shakespearean quote, but it's my favourite quote of all the quotes that I have in the back of my mind, and it's this, our doubts are traitors, mm. and they make us lose that which we off should win by fearing to attempt. Our doubts are traitors. And they make us lose that which we off should win by fearing to attempt. What's the worst thing can happen? That's my attitude. Yeah. You can say, you know, go into a trance, they open your eyes and go, boo. No one died. You know, yeah. I, it's, it's about being fearless. If you look at Gary Turner, you know, there's a man. He, he, he can be fearless. He's been fearless in front of some of the most fiercest people on the planet. So how, how can, you know, step, stepping up the hypnotize someone have any, hold any fear for him? It can't. Yeah. When I used to coach boxing, you know, I remember saying to one of my students, he was worried about doing an exam. He was, I think he was 17, 18, and he was worried about his GCSEs or whatever it was that was coming up at the time. 
And I said to him, Sam, I said, how can you be worried about that? Let's put this in perspective. Last night, you stood up in front of a thousand people with someone who wanted its sole purpose to take your head off. And you did that fearlessly. Let's put this in perspective. So when when you look at hypnotizing someone, you know, be fearless. You know, step out, expect them to go into a trance, expect them to understand what you're going to say and hold that thought. I'm a great hypnotist. You're a great subject. I'm going to hypnotize you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, spot on, spot on. Um, anybody listening um, to this episode, um, go back, listen to that, replay it, <laughs> you know, work it work it into your internal dialogue. Um, um, now, Freddie, in a short while, we're going to talk um, um, about the arrow technique, and I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. Um, for now, where, where, just, just share with, with anybody tuning in, where can people go to learn more about your work um, and, and, and the things that you offer the world? Well, we run our training courses, you know, the Jacqueline Hypnosis Academy, and we're running one-day Arrow courses now. In fact, we've got one um, this Saturday, actually, in London. Um, so we're, we're running them as a workshop, but we're also, in the next few weeks, maybe two, two weeks, we're going to bring out a product, which will be um, a streamable video, if you like, mm-hmm. um, of how this works showing you exactly what the technique is and explaining why we believe it works and the the elements in that technique because it's a very simple technique and if you look at it you'll think it doesn't seem very much involved but when you actually take it apart there are quite a few things that are involved in it which i won't go into now but as i said i developed it maybe um i don't know maybe 15 years ago or something like that Mm. Uh, as as a well, I still do. I still have these kidney stones. I haven't had them for a while, thank goodness. But um, they say it's the worst pain a man can experience. Anything worse than that is childbirth, which obviously we can't. Um, but anyway, my way of uh, distracting myself, this was years ago. I had travelled with a girlfriend down to France, a place called Orbison, and we stopped on the side of the road and we had a picnic. And there was a bridge that went across the river just down the road. And so my way of distracting myself was to go back to that memory and try and remember the, the, the finite of it. What was the number plate on her car? What colour shorts was she wearing? What was, the, what was the name on the beer bottle? And then the, the more I got into the, the memory, the further I, I got away from the pain I was experiencing. And so it was partly that and partly the fact that um, this is my, my belief in how this works because – I know you're a scientist, and I know you're studying this, and, I, and at this point in time, there is no understanding of why hypnosis really works on long-term chronic pain. Mm. We know mm-hmm. it does, but you know, I'm sure within the time you're working and when you get your doctorate and you're still studying the um, science behind it, you're going to come up with an answer, which hopefully will bring the medical people on board. And that's another story. I think once they, once they understand this, then they'll claim it, and then... People like myself, lay people, won't be able to use it. But anyway, so I was working with a guy um, in my teens, and he'd been a soldier in the Suez Crisis, which shows you how old I am. And he was telling me um, one evening while we were sitting having a cup of tea that he was running across this piece of no man's land, and he was under fire, so there's bullets flying everywhere, and his life was in danger because you know he could have been shot at any time. And he had 50 yards to go across this bit of clearing, across this no man land, to the, tr- the trenches on the other side. He said as he was running, he felt something hit his foot. 
He assumed it was a stone, so he just kept running. He dived into this trench the other end, looked down at his foot, and there was a bullet hole through his laces. And he turned his foot over, and the back of his heel had been blown right off. So his bullet had gone in through the bullet lace and blown his heel off. And he'd run for 50 yards with no pain. And so we know that under certain circumstances, if our life's threatened, then we can, for that period of time, ignore the pain. Yeah. And so I, mm. I believe that what the arrow does, this is just my theory, um, I believe that somehow the arrow technique taps into that natural ability to ignore pain if it's of no use to you at the time. Mm. You know, so mm. when there is a proviso when we, we teach people how to use this, we say, you know, the question you have to ask is, is the pain of any use? Now, because it is a big question. Someone's mm. got two you can do this short-term pain. You can use it on short-term pain. But we have to, we, and Anthony and I, we say it to our students as well, make a pact. <coughs> the pain will be gone in a few minutes, but you still have to see your dentist. If someone sees you with a headache or a stomachache and they can't get to the de dentist or doctor till tomorrow, say to them, look, we can help you and we can remove that pain, but you still have to see your doctor tomorrow. You have to get it checked out. And that is a proviso that we use because like fear, once pain's gone, it's very hard to remember what it's like. Mm. So, mm. you know, that is the major proviso. But I've seen people with um, arthritis, had operations on their back. They've been given every exercise, every painkiller and still in pain. And I, I don't know if you saw the little bit of video I put on um, Facebook the other day. Yes. That's mm. rang me up six weeks after. He's now at the gym. You know, he, he said he, he never <laughs> thought he was going to walk again. And now mm. he's at the gym. You know, it's mad. It is mad. The first time I used it, I was doing a smoking group in Swansea, maybe 200 people in the hotel there. And I said, I'm going to be back in six weeks. If anyone knows anyone wants to come and see me for anything other than smoking, um, I'll be working through the day. Then we'll do a smoking group in the evening in six weeks' time. And a woman said, do you do anything for pain? And at that point in time, I didn't, I hadn't, had no idea how this arrow would work, but I hadn't actually done it. I uh, sort of formulated it in my mind, but I hadn't tried it. And I said, well, yeah. So she said, I've had a pain in my hip for nine years. Uh, can you help me? I said, well, yeah, but don't wait six weeks. If you wait around after it's gone, I'll... So, uh, there was another young woman, maybe in her 30s, on crutches. She said, can I stay? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I saw everyone out, and um, there was a few people there. There was um, a guy who was helping me, a guy called Mark Davies. Uh, I think he's now doing really well as a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a few other people taking people taking the money sorting the chairs out maybe half a dozen people in a room the woman with pain in her hip the woman on crutches and this woman on crutches had a little boy there four years old and her auntie but anyway i ran this technique with them it's the first time i'd run it and the woman on the crutches her eyes opened i said where's the pain gone she said i haven't got any pain and she had osteoporosis of the spine she hadn't walked without crutches for 12 years so she said, there's no pain. So the other woman's arms came down. She opened her eyes, started crying. And I said, you all right? She said, yeah. She said, but I haven't got any pain. First time in nine years. She was crying tears of joy. So the woman at crutches stands up. And she said, do you think I can walk without my crutches? I said, I'm not, I'm not a medical person. <laughs> I swear. She said, oh, my crutches. So I'm about the length of crutches away from her, I suppose. 
she gives me her crutches and starts to walk tentatively over to me. And I said, are you in pain? She said, no. So I haven't walked without crutches for 12 years. So wow. she wow. said, I've got an MRI scan coming up. You think I ought to have it? I said, absolutely. I said, but it'd be nice to walk in there without any pain. She said, I will. And I swear at him, she put these crutches under her arm. <laughs> she took her little boy's hand for the first time ever, because she'd been on crutches ever since he'd been born. She took him by the hand and she walked out of his conference room with her crutches under her arm. Wow. And Mark, actually, it was Mark that said it, and I know it sounded, he went, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looked like, pick up your bed and walk. It yeah. just looked like one of, and it, and it is miraculous. We ran a course in Las Vegas, Anthony and I, and on the last day we teach the, we were teaching this pain control. And it was only as a, an aside then. And Anthony, at that point in time, if I ran this technique, he would go out of the room. Because I would say to people, I'd say, how bad's the pain? They say, it's a 10. I'll say, in a moment, you won't be able to feel it. And that, for Anthony, was too much. He said, no, don't say you won't feel any pain. You know, it's not possible. And he'd go out of the room, and he actually left the room, and he'd walk around the swimming pool. And this guy came in, and it was a, a friend of one of the students. And I think the guy brought him in as a bit of a test. Because, you know, in, in, the, in the training room, I think people think that things happen in there that don't really happen in the real world. Yeah. So anyway, he brought his friend in, had an accident, and he had his 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 heel was um, fused to his ankle. They they they'd done this operation and fused his heel to his ankle, and he had wore his boot like David Beckham wore that time, and he'd been in pain for ten years, and he'd been to every pain specialist in the world, you know, Egypt, everywhere, and he came in, and we had and we just finished the course. And so we had to leave. So I said, well, Anthony said, well, we finished. So this guy said, if I ask the management, can we stay a bit longer? So we had quite literally 10 minutes. This guy came in, we sat him down, and within that 10 minutes, every ounce of pain had gone. And he'd been standing up, and he's stomping his foot on the ground. And it was quite unbelievable. Anyway, one of the guys on the course was a preacher from Ohio, so fabulous man but he sounded like um john wayne if, if it wore a stetson he could have been a cowboy he was fantastic but he was a preacher and all week long he was telling us about jesus and christ and he was a lovely man and, and it was his belief and he wasn't throwing it down your throat or anything he was just a lovely man but as i did this thing with this pain control i looked over and this man had gone ashen he, he silent he was ashen anyway we went out that evening it was the last day of the course and we went out that evening for a meal with the students and he came to the table and he said to me, he said, when I got home from here, from the, from the training, he said, I went back to the hotel. He said, I phoned my wife. And he said, I've just witnessed an actual miracle. Because that is exactly <laughs> what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the, I, the example that, of the iWatch you do, you know, you know, we just stood up in the, in the middle of the convention, you know, when Anthony brought you mm. on stage, you had a 10 minute slot and you did that. And then the woman reported back, you know, and, and, and said on, you know, a week later that, yeah. um, you know, life debilitating pain had, had, had was gone and hadn't come back. That, that is not unusual. Honestly, I get that every single time. There's a woman that lives locally to me. She's got, um, fibromyalgia. She had chronic fatigue and I think she weighed, I, don't, I won't say her weight, but anyway, she came and see me for weight loss. And it was obvious that she was in pain. So I said to her, are you in pain? She said, yeah. I said, do you want to be free of it? She said, what do you mean? I said, I've been in pain for 14 years. I said, well, I want you to be comfortable. We're going to be here for an hour and a half. I'll run this technique with you. So I ran the technique before we did anything for the weight loss. 
Anyway, long story short, she went from 26 pills a day for painkillers to none. She's lost five and a half stone in five, five and a half months. And her life has completely changed. And that yeah. pain has not come back. You know, so it is miraculous. And, and we see things. You and I both know some fantastic entertainers who do magic, mentalism. Yeah. And they're brilliant. You know, and I say this, that magic is magical to everyone except the magician. Yeah. Because they know it's done. Yeah. But miracles like the arrow sort of does is miraculous even to the person that's carrying out that technique <laughs> yeah i still yeah. don't understand it adam yeah. you know and i never I, I never get not get blown away by it when someone's when someone says they've got pain 10 out of 10 they've had it for 20 years and we have this intervention and i, I look at them and i say where's the pain going i say i haven't got any pain and they stand up and they start walking without their stick they start doing stuff which is unbelievable and it's not just for them you know, like that guy on, on that video, six weeks later, he's now at the gym. And he must be 70. You know, so I see that all the time. And that's what we can do. And I, you don't have to say, I'm going to hypnotize you to use the arrow. And that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. A lot of these techniques, we do a thing called our motion. Um, there are different techniques we're, we're teaching, which you don't, you don't need. Because we are hypnotists and we're teaching hypnotherapy, obviously, we in general, we run a um an induction but the truth of the matter is anyone can use the arrow and that's my my goal if you like and my my legacy if i can have one is that every this gets in as many hands as possible yeah. if you're a doctor and you've only got five minutes to see your client see your patient and you're giving as much morphine as you can give them and they can't and they're still in pain why would you not run this intervention in that five minutes because that's how long it takes you know, and it's only words, as I say. It's only words. It's not, we're not giving you pills or potions. I say, what's the worst thing that happen? You know, you've still got the pain. But that, to be honest, that's, I, I don't can remember a time when that's actually happened. So, yeah, it's just a fact. As you can see, I'm pretty passionate about the whole thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's not just the pain. It's not just pain. If you help someone out of a phobia, you know, I saw a lady once. She'd been claustrophobic and she was 70 when she came to see me. She said her whole life being blighted by it. Her husband had a good job. They had the opportunity to go to all these wonderful parties and dinners and dinner dances and the theatre. She couldn't go because if she, unless she was on the end of the row in the theatre, she couldn't stay there. Mm. If she was sitting at the table and she wasn't on the end of the table, she couldn't sit there. So she ended up not going anywhere. And I saw her and that fear had gone. And I remember thinking when I walked out, when she walked out, you know, I'd, I'd love to amount her 50 years ago. You know, 50 years of her life blighted by that fear, which we, can, you and I both know, we can undermine in a very short period of time. And I, I thought that to myself that day, and lo and behold, the next day, I had a girl of 20 come in with claustrophobia. Mm. And it was almost like it was an answer to that, well, here you are then, here's your opportunity, you know, yeah. sort this, you know, help this girl so she can have that life. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Um, so um, 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 let's let's go straight into it. As much as as, as much as you're, you're you're comfortable comfortable sharing, can can you just tell us a little bit? You know what what, what actually is it then? The the, the, the arrow technique. When, when when you talk about the arrow technique, it's, it's it's so simple. If I <laughs> if I tell you, you'll yeah. know, and I'll have to kill you. Um, <laughs> but it's really it's just about using symbolism it's using 
um, disassociation. Yeah. It's using all of those things, and it's using emotion. So all of those things are, are used within this one simple technique. Yeah. Um, but it is simple. And as I say, we are being, going to be bringing it as a product. Yeah, of and course. We, we think it is. You know, I, I, we believe, and Anthony believes, and he, he's not one to praise me in a lot of things, but he, he thinks this is the best thing that we've come up with so far in as wow. much as change the way that people look at pain and the way people deal with long-term chronic pain yeah. without, you know, without any more medication. So it is just a wonderful tool. But that's about as much as I can say about it, really, yeah, without yeah, yeah. giving it all away. Yeah, yeah, of to course. say, use a symbolism. I think you've seen it when, when we were there. We worked when we yeah. were at the convention. I think it's Tan. Is her name a Tan? Is that how I pronounce yeah. her name? Tan, fabulous girl. She, she was it. She was suffering at that thing, and we had five minutes together, and, and she got on. We were partying for the rest of the time. So, you know, it is such a simple technique. You can run this if you're standing with someone at a bus stop, and they say, oh, I've got oh, I've got terrible backache. You know, you can say, well, let me just run you through this while we're waiting for the bus. That is what this is like, and you don't have to be a hypnotist to use it. No, 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 no. Um, I say, any information, you're going to get it on, on our website, which is Jacqueline Hypnosis Academy website. Um yeah. And, and I, I will put a link to um, I'll put a link to the website and uh, that will be on this episode's page of the right. Hypnosis Weekly website as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, wow, wow, Freddie Jackwin, thank you so much for agreeing to come and be on Hypnosis Weekly. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Um, well, I hope I hope that some of the things I've said, you know, maybe gives someone an idea you know it, it's all about there'll be people that are pushing on what we what you and i do you know this is going to go on and on someone have an idea that will change the way we think about this um but i think we've got to think about it as a, as a very a simple simple change work it doesn't have to be complex no. when you're sitting in that room be yourself speak as you'd speak to someone you care about and just be yourself, and then that will come across. And with the techniques that you teach on your course, the techniques we teach but on our course, we can change thousands and thousands of lives. And you don't have to, at this point in time, have to know the ins and outs of what that problem is. That's the joy of where we where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I appreciate um, you asking me on, and I, you know, it's great, always great to speak to you. I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When it, uh, like one of the things are that 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 I say in that I will be saying in my introduction to you is that whenever I have been hanging out with you, in addition to always feeling very inspired about uh, 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 about our field as a result of my connection with you, I always come away from it having had at least one hardcore belly laugh. Like, like properly from the stomach we always um it's always yeah. such good fun um, um yeah. when when i get together with you and i think yeah. that that you know you're you're you have a very contagious sense of humor that um, um i also think probably contributes greatly to the kind of relationships that you have with clients and the way in which you do things and um, um you know i'm so appreciative of that um, um likewise think, think, you know i think even in the therapy situation you know, my attitude towards it is this. It's very simple. If someone says to me, what is hypnosis and how can you do it? I would say create an emotion, give a suggestion. If it was to be said in a sentence, that's what it would be. Yeah. Create an emotion, give a suggestion. Because if you can create an emotion within someone, then 
you can influence them. So I, my intention when I'm sitting with somebody in the therapy room is at some point, if I'm not, I don't intentionally make people laugh, but by being myself, I want it to be enjoyable for them. If someone laughs in that therapy room, I'm going to give them a suggestion. They're not even going to know that it's happened, yeah. but I will. And so, you know, it's different with you and I, because when we're out, it was just, you just have great fun. But yeah. I, I will look for those opportunities. Any change of emotion in that therapy room, I'm going to be suggesting that they're going to be okay and they're going to be all right and they're going to be, they're going to be overcome their problem. And I think all that work's going on out of hypnosis, out of what we consider to be conventional hypnosis. And yet it's still good work and we're still working from the moment they walk through the door. Yeah, yeah. But no, we do have great times. I'm looking forward to convention this year. Yeah, me uh, too. It was a great few days, wasn't it? Yeah, and it absolutely. Was, and um, um, yeah, the, the only downside of um, this year's UK Hypnosis Convention is, is that is that your your picture now and all the advertising. You, you're, you're the new poster boy. Um, you, you you have got your picture on the top row now, and I've well, been demoted. Is that last? <laughs> I've been demoted to the second <laughs> row. My picture. Uh, yeah. I, um, 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 all that's le leaves me to say this week. Freddie Jackwin, thank you very much indeed. All right, thanks for inviting me on. I really enjoyed that. There's so much to pick out from that, so much to, to learn from. Um, I'm, I'm in particular, you know, Freddie's freddie's confidence and belief in what he does is is just extraordinary I, I i love it i find it incredibly inspiring uh do go back and 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 re-listen and pluck out your own nuggets of usefulness um from from within that discussion um, um i love hearing the stories um, um that freddie tells uh where he says that that on occasion in the past ant used to step out of the room when freddie got bold with his demos and it really made me smile a lot uh, there are a bunch of links to freddie's websites links to the arrow technique training um, um at the web page for this episode over at the hypnosis weekly website on to this week's hypnosis in the news then i'm going to discuss just a single story this week that's featured in the media funnily enough it's a story that was pointed out to me by anthony jackwin and uh, it's titled the truth about killer numbers reportedly making nigerians commit suicide and, um, and the article asks its readers, if you know of anybody that died this week from receiving calls from stranger killer numbers. And there are rumours flying that there are fo uh, phone numbers that are, uh, that, that are causing problems throughout Nigeria. Allegedly, callers from certain particular numbers hypnotise victims to commit suicide by chanting incantations. After the hypnosis, the recipients are then directed to do the caller's bidding. Um, and, and, you know, I recognise this sounds quite absurd. Um, um, the supposed numbers have a lot of sixes and nines in, but in particular, there's one that ends with uh, triple six and so on. When uh, Dr. Alwell Orgy uh, was the first reported case in this current wave of reported suicides, apparently, 
when uh, uh, that doctor had died, it was said that he'd received a call before alighting from the car and taking a plunge to certain death, which sounds terrifying. Um, considering the, um, um, the, the, the suicides that are being linked to this phenomena, this notion of there being killer numbers could potentially sound plausible to some people. Um, people have reported hearing the incantations being chanted over the phone, but are they real? And the author of the article says, no, it is a hoax that calls actually are automated um, from these particular scary lines uh, are automated phone bots that are playing pre-recorded messages to customers um, uh, and um, and so on. And and my my main commentary that I would say with regards to this phenomenon, because a bunch of people asked me what I thought with regards to it. I would say that Nigeria culturally um, tends to have a set of beliefs um, um, in, in some of the some of the wider areas, um, belief systems that may lend itself to this being believable to some. Um, but we also know, you know, and we all know, you regular Nisalas will know that hypnosis cannot be wielded in this fashion. We're more likely to cause someone to commit suicide if they already have a predisposition to it and have tendencies towards that. And if something is said or actually acted upon that tips them over the edge um and and those are the kind of people that you know those of you that are trained with with clinical hypnosis um, um will recognize that there's a chance that that may be contraindicated with those types of individuals with a with suicidal ideation um, um you know and and the potential to contribute to um, pre-existing suicidal ideation or magnify those kind of ideas um may well mean that that person is contraindicated for hypnosis um and but to simply be wielded to instruct anyone to commit suicide or do the hypnotist's bidding is probably perpetuating myth. Uh, There's no real evidence to support that. Um, So, you know, a a message to all our regular Nigerian listeners. I know there's loads of you out there tuning in each week. I hope this helps you to rest more easily. Um, Links to this particular story listed on this page, uh, on the page of this week's episode on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. So on to our evidence-based factoid of the week. It's less of a factoid this week and really more of a discussion point. One of the most prolific researchers in the hypnosis field, Professor Irving Kirsch, famously pointed out in his response expectancy theory of hypnosis that was developed in the 1980s and 1990s, that hypnotism is fundamentally related to the mechanism underlying the placebo effect. And he suggested that hypnosis is an enhanced version of placebo. However, unlike blind placebo research, the client, of course, is aware of the hypnosis and aware of the suggestions being delivered, and so is not blind, and is therefore, it's it's non-deceptive. So accordingly, hypnosis could therefore be described as a non-deceptive mega-placebo. Non-deceptive mega-placebo. I really rather like that. That's it for this week's 69th edition. You'll notice I made no crude or childish references to the number 69, despite the fact that in my early teens, when the ice cream van visited the street that I lived in, I would ask the man if I could have a 99, but could he take a little bit off to make it a 69er? 
I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. Next time out I'll be welcoming Sean Schwer from over, over the Atlantic Ocean in the US. We'll be discussing some specialist NLP skills amongst other things. Do tune in for that. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again to Freddie Jackwin and my thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.